there is more. There is more, and I want more. With God, there is always more, more of Him. And we are called to want more and more of Him. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want that God. I want that God. I want the God that they knew. I I, I don't want to read about it. I want that God. He's not a paper tiger. He, he, all the stuff that God used to do. He's not the great I used to do. He is the great I am. And, and the God who was there for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is there for you and me if we will be receptive as they were receptive. If we want what they wanted, he will give us more. Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, and forever. More of Jesus. More of the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead. Like, why are we even here? You know, it's not a bad idea to ask that once in a while. Why, why, why are we here? Glory to God, yes. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I'm here. It says that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that one day he's going to raise me from the dead. That that Holy Spirit is real. And that that is my hope. Or I may as, we all may as well just go home. That Holy Spirit and his power is there for us. That's what the scripture teaches. It teaches there isn't an expiration date on that. That his spirit dwells in us. That his spirit communicates with us. That his Holy Spirit empowers us. And that our experience of the Holy Spirit is a down payment for us that we know one day he's going to raise me from the dead just like he raised Jesus from the dead. Otherwise, why are we here? There is more. And the Holy Spirit is real, powerful, active, And he may be speaking to you this morning. It may be a gentle nudge. The gentle nudge of a friend. Just poking in the ribs and saying, you know, you need to to think about this. Or it may be a deep conviction. You may hear in different ways. And he uses different ways to impress himself upon us, but he is real. 
You know, Jesus did impossible things, and he said to us, you'll do things even more impossible than the stuff that I did. But the only way that that happens is if we have the same spirit in us that he had in him. You need the mind of Christ, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more. Faith is a four-letter word, and it's spelt R-I-S-K. Faith is a, a four-letter word, but it is a word that when we step out there, that faith fires our imagination. What is more imaginative than the God that we serve? Who is more imaginative than that? And he invites us to step into his imagination. His imagination that is more than, than we could ever dream of. And he invites us, it's not just any kind of imagination, it's not a human imagination, but it's the mind of Christ. And what does, what's that like? When you have the mind of Christ and, and, and God is, is speaking to you the reality that he spoke into Jesus and through Jesus. Well, you have to think differently, obviously. You know, we are told by Jesus, first and foremost, that we are his agents of forgiveness. That he didn't come to condemn people. He came to bring forgiveness to a world that desperately needs it because like we, we can be so hateful because we are not good at forgiving. And he says, I've come to bring forgiveness. And when you pray, pray, oh God, forgive us as we forgive. Wow, how are you on that one? Are you doing well on that one? Like that is a freedom. That is a power that just flat does not fit with the wisdom of this world. I mean, could I, I mean, we know what it's all about, don't we? Life is all about winning. You're not going to win if you just go around forgiving everybody. Like, that's not going to work. Do unto others as they do to you. Do unto others before they do it to you. Forgive? How would you even do that? And yet, humanity drinks poison. Like we drink the poison of resentment and bitterness. We, we drink the poison and then when we're fired up with the poison, we go out and we do battle with the world. And the enemy wants you to keep drinking that. And it can be a heady brew. It, 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 it is a brew that gets the adrenaline going when you consider how much you want to be a winner and who might be in your way of being a winner. 
But you can't drink the bitter brew of bitterness and drink the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't drink both. What's the mind of Christ like? I'm in Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1. And what, what, you know, what, what's heaven like? What, what, what's God's mind like? Don't you want to know that? Yeah, not what it's like here, with the bloody awful mess that we make of it. But what's it like? What's it like with God? Kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go to the vineyard and, hey, whatever's right, I'll give you. Okay, like what choice? What choice have I got, right? Days moving on. So they went, and again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, like it's nearly sundown, and found others standing idle and said to them, why have been standing idle all day? They said to him, there's no one's hired us. And he said to them, you go also into the vineyard. And whatever's right, whatever's right, you'll receive. You know, th- th- these are people like, th- they don't eat, they don't get their day, day's labor. Like, well... Will my family starve tonight, or will we have something to eat? So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them wages, beginning with the last of the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. When the first came, they supposed they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they'd received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Oh, I so get that, don't you? Equal pay for equal work. Come on, equal pay for equal work. Like we go on strike. It's not fair that you should have more than me when I've done more than you. You know, this this just makes you real. You just think about that. You think you know, life's not fair, and it really should be fair. It's not fair down here. And like, is God fair? Equal pay for equal work, just do the math. Let's all just do the math. 
But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what's yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I'm good? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. It's just not right that the last should be first. It's, uh, that, that, that's not fair. The first should be first. And if I've done what I'm supposed to have done, I should be first. Heaven is really a pretty crazy place. And if you're going to think like heaven, you've got to think completely differently. And the first thing that you've got to realize is that you have to stop keeping score. You have to stop keeping score. Life isn't fair. And at different times, we find ourselves, don't we, in in, in life, in these two different positions. Sometimes you get what you didn't deserve, and you're really glad that you got what you didn't deserve. It's like, yay, I won the lottery. And then other times you're going, you know, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. I, I, I deserved more. And looking at other people, like that you can, you can think, wow, I, man, how do, I, how do I change this picture? You know, it's human to calculate. It is human to calculate. We have this ability of, of, of doing math. And we want to do the math, especially when it suits us to do the math. But Jesus, Jesus really is saying God doesn't do math. You know, I've got 10 fingers and 10 toes, and we have a mathematical system uh, based on the base 10. And, and like we think that we are seeing the secrets of the universe when we can put those base 10 numbers out there and do our calculations. Uh, because like we're finite, 10 fingers and 10 toes. But God doesn't have 10 fingers and 10 toes. And he doesn't do the math. He is infinite. And the reality that that he invites us into just is expansive and just opens up. And what he, what he says is don't calculate. Like, get my heart. You need to understand my heart. Don't keep score. He's also telling us you've got to be able to celebrate favor in other people's lives. I've got to love it when you're blessed. I, I, I've got to love it when somebody that really didn't even deserve it, that, that God blesses them because he's good and I'm not so good. Because his heart, he's not stingy. And he doesn't calculate at all the way we do because he's infinite and we're finite. 
But we're all, it's so hard, isn't it? We're all about doing the math, and we're all about what doing, doing what, quote, makes sense. And God says, I don't want you to make sense. I want to invite you into a supernatural reality. Well, come on, God. Fair is fair. It, it, Half, one-twelfth of a denarius would be the, the, the rate for people that show up for one hour of work. Or, it's okay, God, uh, give me 12 uh, denarii, and then I won't feel like I got left out. And, and God's going, no. No, Ross, that's not the way. That's not the way I do it. You see, I'm infinite. And I'm so much kinder than you are. And I love these people so much more than you do. And, and you need to understand the generosity of my heart. And I care about the last. Not just the winners. Well, God. God let, well, let's get on to something else, God. I, I have very good reasons for not forgiving this person. Now, you, you don't know what they did to me. Well, in other words, I have valid reasons. I have valid reasons for not forgiving people. I have valid reasons for protecting my own position. And you do. You do. If, if, if you are struggling to forgive someone for something, you probably have very good reasons why you don't want to forgive them. I mean, you know, unless you're like just a random person that likes to take offense, you've got good reasons. God doesn't care so much about our reasons. You see, it's reason, but it's carnal reason. It's reason, but it's, let's calculate, one, two, three, four, five, six. And biblical reasoning doesn't go that way. Biblical reasoning goes from the cross to the situation. The, it, it, biblical reason goes from Jesus to every broken situation and brings salvation, brings redemption, brings hope. Like brings God's goodness. You know, we are creatures of flesh, and we calculate in a fleshly kind of way. But the thing is, when it comes to the heart, we don't even know our own heart, let alone the heart of the person right next to you. You know, you might actually have lived with this person all your life, but you still don't know their hearts the way that God knows their heart. Human beings, we think we are so darn clever that we can do the equations and we can figure out what's equal and what's not equal so that it all works out nice and fair. And that's the IQ working. And they made a big thing of late, like in the popular psychology books of um, 
Not just IQ, but EQ. You know, that's your intelligence quotient. You know, you've got your intelligence quotient, and then you've got your emotional intelligence quotient. You know, and some people are just better at the, at the feelings and everything. But you know what we really need is not an IQ or an EQ. What we need is an SQ, and that's your spiritual intelligence. And, and your spiritual intelligence, you, you, only get, you only get through the Holy Spirit and, and, and through the, the mind of this infinite God of ours. You know, James in, in James 3.13 says this, and it, it's so good. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Like, do, do you get that? I don't think James is being sarcastic here. I, I, I think he's looking at reality and he's calling a spade a spade. And, and, and what he's saying is that bitterness and, and envy are a type of wisdom. I mean, our minds take us there. It is a type of wisdom, and it can be quite accurate on the basics. And it masquerades as justice, but it's demonic. It's demonic. Like the devil has his own wisdom. And all too often, we're ready to go with the devil's wisdom and his calculations. And all too often, we're ready to use the devil's battle plan and fight in his way with his weapons. I, I, I look at James here, and, and I see this, that if we're going to have the mind of Christ, don't let the demonic control your mind. Don't let the demonic control your mind. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 10.4, Paul speaks of strongholds that the enemy has in our minds. And what's a stronghold? Well, you know, it's like a castle. And why do you need a castle? You need a castle because your castle is your safe place. And, and, and the devil wants you to feel safe. And the way he makes you feel safe is he takes you into his castle. And he says, if you stay in this castle, you'll be safe You'll, you'll be protected here because, you know, it's a dangerous world and you've got to win. And so stay in the castle and keep, get behind my walls. Get behind my walls and I'll keep you safe. And why do you want that? Well, you know, you want that because, well, castles are great places to hide. You can hide, you can deal with, well, you don't have to deal with who you are. You just go into the castle, pull up the drawbridge, and say, okay, I'm safe. All that, whatever hurts, whatever hang-ups I've got out there, I'm, I'm safe here. And, and Jesus is saying, I, you don't need walls. 
you need a cross. You need a cross. You know, I was at the men's conference, a bunch of us from Singing Oats were at the men's conference this week, and, and one of the speakers like, had a great line that I'm not sure I'm going to get right. But, but he said, if, if we don't allow Christ to heal our wounds, then we'll bleed all over everybody. And, and, and it's like you haven't healed. And, and, and you're... And everybody around you is going to experience the fact that you haven't been healed. And you're going to hurt other people. Just as you've been hurt. And that is so true. And, 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 and maybe you, you wouldn't even be aware of it. You wouldn't be aware of it. You know, I... I I experienced that years ago, like when I, when I lost my dad, I, I was dealing with all kinds of forgiveness issues, all kinds of like family issues, and all kinds of, of anger, and, and you know, and I'd show up to preach, <laughs> show up to preach every Sunday morning, because hey, that's what separates the men from the boys, right? I've got my sermon prepared, I'm good, I'll smile. And we'll get through this sermon and, you know, like, what's my stuff got to do with my job here preaching the sermon? Except that I didn't realize. Like, people, people, it, it came to a head for me a couple of years, it, it was like a year or two later, like, people said to me, Ross... Like, you just don't seem like you're really here. Like, you seem like you're somewhere else. And, and I had people in church say to me, Hey, Ross, do you love us? And I, I thought, well, yes, I do, I do. Like, how can you ask that I would not love the church? But see, I had to walk down the hallway, and there was a wall around me, and I was not aware of the wall. And, you know, like I look back on it, you know, you look back on your life with 2020 hindsight. If I had been healed by Jesus, I would have been a very different preacher to the one that they were experiencing. You know, you, you, think, you're, you think you're doing all right behind the wall until somebody looks you in the eye and says, so hey, something's up with you. What is it? Don't let the demonic control your mind. It's not safe in Satan's fortress. Get out. It's a prison. It's not a safe place. Don't become an accuser. You know, that's another thing about the mind of Christ. You know, Jesus wasn't big on accusations unless it was people who were themselves 
accusatory, unless it was people who were themselves abusing power. And, and, and Jesus would be very tough when he was speaking truth to power. But when it came to broken people, Jesus was, Jesus was incredibly gentle. He was not an accuser. And he doesn't call us to be accusers. And, and you know, that's a, that's a, a huge trap that preachers can easily fall into. I mean, back in the old day, you were supposed to be an accuser. If, if, if the preacher didn't come up and beat the heck out of you, he hadn't really given you a sermon. You know, like, oh boy, preacher, you made me feel real bad today. I'm glad I came to church. You know, sometimes we need confronting. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's all too easy to do demonic preaching. And not just me, like for all of us, like that we're here to accuse the world. Like we're not here to accuse anybody. Like we're here to bring love into a world that has forgotten how to do it. You want the mind of Christ? John 13, 1 through 5, it was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You know, it's interesting, the devil prompts and the Holy Spirit prompts. Prompts. Now, I think sometimes we, we, think we have an easier time believing that the devil is prompting us than we do that the Holy Spirit is there and that he is nudging you and that he is prompting you. And, and, and that, that he has a word for you. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, I heard a good quote recently. If you wash another person's feet, you'll understand why they walk the way they do. You'll understand what the hurt is and what the need is. And it's astonishing. It's astonishing to me. Like, how do you, how do you wash Judas Iscariot's feet when you know what he's about to do? You know, that's just not very smart from a worldly standpoint. But we see so many things through the enemy's eyes. We look at the enemy, and if we don't watch out, we see the enemy the way that the enemy sees. And, and, and we need to see the way that Jesus sees. And when we do that, 
then he will promote us. Then he will bring us more. He will take us to that next level. He will bring us into the promised land. He will bring us into divine favor when we quit thinking that we fight the devil on his terms. Now, there is no freedom where there is jealousy or bitterness. But there is more. There is so much more. Is there anyone here today who says, who is saying, I don't want to leave today without being forgiven? I just raise your hand. I won't make you do anything else, but just raise your hand if that's where you are today. There's something that you want to be forgiven of because we'll pray over it. Okay. Well, maybe there's someone here who needs to forgive somebody. Uh, uh, I see some hands, and it takes some courage to, to raise a hand for, for something like this. Okay, I'm going to pray over you right now. Let's pray. Lord, forgiveness is so much easier said than done. And, and it comes in the middle of messes. And it, it's hard to deal with the mess. And we need your help to deal with the mess. And, and, and we know that forgiveness doesn't, doesn't uh, always mean, maybe even most of the time doesn't mean, that everything can be just the way that you would want it. But... Lord, we know that we're called to bring it to the extent that, uh, that it can be brought. And so, Father, for those who have raised their hands, I, I, I just pray that your spirit will be with them this week and that you, will, that you will nudge them, that you will show them the way and help them to, to bring forgiveness to whatever the situation is that they're dealing with. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and, and knowing that there is power for us. Amen. Well, if you need prayers, uh, elders and their wives will be here. I'll be here. We can pray with you. Uh, uh, whatever spiritual need that you've got, just come on and we'll do it while we stand and sing.